Hey friend, are you looking for episodes that dive deep into your Enneagram type? Or are you searching for faith-based insights that transform your life? With over 300 episodes on the Simply Wholehearted podcast, it's easy to get overwhelmed. But don't worry, friend, I've got you covered. Introducing the curated, personalized podcast playlist that is just for you based on your Enneagram type. So get your copy to help you continue your path of self-discovery and spiritual growth. You can get it at simplywholehearted.com or just click the link in the show notes to get your personalized playlist. And let's continue on this transformative journey together. Hi friends, welcome back to the Simply Wholehearted Podcast. And if you are new here, I'm so glad you've joined us. Here at Simply Wholehearted, we are sharing our journey as we discover how to better love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And even though you might be surrounded by a world of half-heartedness, we hope to inspire you to living wholeheartedly as our friends share their stories and simple ideas of how they practice reach over perfection in their everyday. And don't forget, there are a few more days to support the Yerksas and their amazing work to raise awareness and funds for the Down Syndrome Association of Minnesota. Go listen to episode number 20 and then help them reach their goal of 15,000. I've put a link in the show notes so you can support this year's walk. Today's conversation is with Megan Fate Marshman, and she is something I think you're going to find unexpectedly fantastic. She is a powerhouse of a woman, and I had no idea when her publicist signed her up to share about the NIV Action Bible for kids what I was really getting into. (laughs) I had been hoping I'd get to share this resource for the summer, but she wasn't available in our window of recording time, so then I thought, well, maybe we'll share it at Christmas. But after getting to talk with Megan, I knew I wanted to share it as soon as possible with you guys. She's got a true passion and energy for sharing the Word of God, and not just for kids. Besides her favorite role of wife and mom, she is the Director of Women's Ministry at Hume Lake, a gorgeous camp in Southern California, and the Young Adults Pastor at Arbor Road Church in Long Beach, California. Megan has written and co-authored a couple of books herself, while also being a passionate supporter and advocate of the NIV Action Bible. She has great hopes of encouraging this new generation to love the Word of God. And she's going to preach today, so buckle up for this conversation. I am, yeah. Uniquely, the specific city I live in, Uh no one will start school for another month. No way. I'm so jealous. Wait, wait, maybe I'm lying. It's September 9th and 10th will be when my Yeah, after Labor Day, right? When everyone should go back to school. Yeah, I agree. August was always one of my favorite days of summer. What in the world? I It is so stinking hot here. And I feel so bad going, yes, you have to be at school all day. <laughs> so yeah, sorry. indeed. <laughs> and then you send them off and you're like, bye. Yeah. Wait, so do you you have kids? Tell me about your kids. I your do. Family. I do. And I have three, sixth grade, fifth grade, second grade. Um, I had three kids in three and a half years. I thought I was going to yeah, die. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. But I love to tell about it. <laughs> yeah, look at and here. Yeah, and you even have simply wholehearted. It makes sense the name of your podcast because yes. you have to be. You do. You so have to. Yes, take it a totally different direction than I would have because I'm an Enneagram three and I go like full bore. And the Lord was wow. like, no. 
I have to refine you. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love I that story. Do that. Tell me, how did you start the, pod, uh, the podcast? Well, you know, it's so funny. I was just reflecting on that because I, and some of my friends have heard this story a few times, but I was excited about partnering with my mother-in-law about a thing that she did with her kids called the Super Summer Challenge. And, um, she did that, you know, starting over 30 years ago, she used to teach other moms, um, worked with like hearts at home and share the message. And so I was like, you know, surviving, selling Norwex. And I took her to a conference because I did love to share the message because I used the tool and it changed my life. And, um, I wanted to encourage her to get like a second wind and like, Hey, you need to go out and speak and do all the things. And so, but, um, but it didn't quite happen that way. Instead, Hmm. I got to carry on the message and it was just, it was the process, right? Because I wouldn't have done it alone. I was fine doing my thing and, um, it's kind of propelled me into a whole different direction than I ever thought, you know, writing and doing the podcast and just a really neat world that has been amazing. Um, that's taken ministry outside my four walls to my church, to whatever the Lord wants to do. So anyway, it sounds like you've got a lot of stuff too. How many kids do you have? I have one and one on the way. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. What yeah, do you so do? Officially, too, I'm due in January. So we're oh. about four and a half months in to oh. the process. And I have a two and a half year old little oh, boy. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. wonderful. Yes, it is. It's such a fun stage. I mean, it tiring, but very yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, it's, I love this stage. The baby stage was actually really hard for me. Yes. I'm very much like, I'm always kind of like moving, but then part of me now watches all these moms that have two, three, four, five, you know, kids. And they're just, they rock that baby carrier. And I never did that. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, it's time. Baby number two is just going with me. Oh, totally. So I felt like the first one I was so, and it was so weird. I've never struggled with confidence until I had a baby. And like, suddenly I was like, wow, I'm naturally not good at this. And the Lord's like, yeah, this is maybe like you said, refinement. So mm-hmm. here we are. I know, right? It's all about like what our little, what we thought was work and all the nevers we said we weren't going to do. Wait, what in the world? We have kids. Indeed. So I I was really excited because I actually was born in Fullerton, California. My parents were, yeah, born and raised there. Grandparents, I grew up going to Long Beach all the time. And that's where you're at, right? I am. I absolutely am. I love it. I'm jealous. It's so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And you live where now? Now I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. Can you believe that? Wow. 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 I know. I've come a long way. We, well, my dad was a pastor and so we moved like we were in the military. Um, We ended up in Ohio at one point. And then when I was 18, I moved to Colorado and I just had to get to the mountains, something. And so that's where I ended up um, for 11 years. And then uh, nine, nine and a half years ago, my husband lost his job. We had two babies at the time and we ended up in Kansas city. So we've been here. It's now, I mean, it's, it took a long time, but we've really found community and I'm, I'm embracing the humidity when I can. (laughs) I don't always (laughs) rock it. I find the people that we can kind of, you know, lament together and go, yeah, this isn't fun. But anyway, but we, um, I spoke at a college, I want to say in Kansas city, Missouri, a Christian college. Nazarene. Uh huh. Nazarene. That's the one. Yeah. No way. I did last year. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's really fun. And my, 
I had a great aunt that lived there and got to go visit, but I always kind of laughed and everyone was making like, for them, it's not a funny joke anymore. Kansas City, Missouri is not funny to them yes. anymore. You know, and right. I'm like, it's not Kansas. You know, <laughs> I got a kick out of that. And even during chapel and everyone's like, yeah, no, no. not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's so great. So how did yeah. you end up working with um, a children's Bible? Like, what does that look like? Because your yeah. resume... I mean, you can brag about yourself, but you can tell us a little bit about your life. Um, and then ultimately, how did you end up working with this Bible? Yeah. So I worked for a, a publishing company called David C. Cook for Which is in Colorado three Springs. Years. And it I lived is. There. Gotta yep. love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I started to, uh, I started actually managing a few media teams and social media teams and marketing teams. And then eventually, mm. I, I have this big passion for youth. And okay. so I ended up by the end of my term there for the last two years of it, I was running all the student ministry curriculum lines and David C. Cook events. Wow. So I found myself doing all of that. The Lord led me in a different direction, but all this to say, man, I learned a lot about the entire curriculum world yeah. um, and because there's so many curriculums out there and people use them and they're amazing resources. I got to hear the lifeblood behind it, the literal tears and the brainstorming sessions, yes. the 10 the 10 different rounds of editing to make sure it's theologically accurate, even though it's meant for a three-year-old. Right. right. So I worked for a publishing company that did that. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up saying, uh, leaving full-time when I had my son Okay. and went, uh, it was doing a little bit of part-time work, but found myself just wanting to prioritize my son, ended up working for my local church because there was a need there. And at the time I was still traveling around and speaking quite a bit. I usually speak about once a week somewhere. Okay. Um, and that's kind of a, it, it very much varies what the audience is and what I'm speaking on. But then I got to have this really cool conversation with David C. Cook, where they said, we have the action Bible. We're coming out with a new version. I said, tell me about it because my son, yes. two and a half year old loves the action Bible. I mean, I sit there, I hand him a book in the back of my car any other book, he's uninterested after two minutes, but there's something about the picture. And my goodness, if I can hand my, my son something that is centered around who God is and he hangs out with it, so yes. I couldn't wait to see what the next the next version of that was going to be. And so when they came out with the NIV, which happens to be the Bible translation that's the most popular, right. um, and it's a full text Bible, uh, I knew that had to be the next step, yet it has the compelling graphics and even key features. So they, I got in another conversation with them about like, man, I believe in this mm-hmm. because my son, my son himself loves the action Bible. That's and awesome. one day I'm going to want him to bring a Bible that has a full text into church with him. In yes. fact, I've even worked at a church where I saw a young man um, holding his, this sweet little first grader holding his action Bible in church. And I watched the pastor say, turn with me to John chapter four. And I watched him thumb through the pictures and he just didn't know that was a new concept but he loved his Bible. And so even mm-hmm. that combination combined with the fact that they were doing this made me, as you can imagine, so excited because this was the next thing that would be needed oh, is to awesome. take all the things that are just as visually compelling um, and then add features that are really age developmentally accurate, which I know because I developed curriculum mm-hmm. uh, for many years for this age range. This is the next perfect step. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love the fact that, well, the fact that it combines the two. It's not just pictures. It's not paraphrasing. It's the word for word and it's full color picture. That's really engaging and interesting. I mean, my, my almost 12 year old, she, she grabbed it from me when I got it in the mail and she's like, Ooh, what's this? And you know, she last year for school, she had to read through the old Testament. She's used to heavy text, but for her, for her, she's like, this is cool. It doesn't look creepy. That was her phrase. <laughs> it doesn't look weird. Can you imagine on a marketing big banner just says, 
the new Bible. It doesn't look creepy, but it were it's accurate. And as a mom, that's what you care about yes, is that they so read true. and care about the Bible. Yes, wow. totally. Yeah, so no, good. I loved it. Yeah, it was definitely passed around. I have two girls and a boy, and I can say they both, like, boy, girl, doesn't matter. They really enjoyed yeah. it. They really liked it for sure. It's been really, really fun. I, I would say my favorite part about this Bible is because when I was doing the curriculum for student ministries, so middle school and high school students, uh, we were taking surveys and we sent it out to hundreds of churches. Mm. Um, we got back, not hundreds, unfortunately, but we got back a significant a <laughs> amount of surveys from, we just, we wanted to get as many people as possible to yeah. fill out these surveys. And and there was amazing questions on it. We got such raw answers mm. and we wanted to understand why don't kids in, you know, that tween age, why do they stop talking to their parents? Mm. Why do they not trust? Like, what is this? Is it just, is it the way that they parented? Is it the age piece? And one of the most insightful questions for me was, why don't you ask your questions to people you trust or your pastors or your parents? What is the reason? Why don't you ask your really important questions? And they said, oh, because I just asked Google. And that was the number one answer we got back is the reason I don't talk to my parents is actually I'd have to wait and my parents are distracted or I'm not always with them or they're looking at something else. But if I ask Google, it's immediate. And so I get my answers. And what I loved about this Bible, and I don't even know uh, to what extent the whys behind all the different features, but uh-huh. there's a feature called what about this that actually asks those tough questions within the Bible mm, within it. Amazing. And I think too often yeah. we're scared of those big questions, but I love that it places it within the text and it even allows young people to think of hard questions. Another big reason students are leaving the faith. I now work with young adults, which really is that key demographic that 18 to 25 year olds that are leaving And a big answer to those survey questions as done by Barna was they felt like the church wasn't a safe place to bring their questions. And so what this Bible does is it not only uh, has some answers to the questions, the ones that have answers to, and I love that some of them, it says we can't answer that. And that just should make us more in our awe of our, Mm -hmm. our God who is actually beyond us. If we could know all the answers to God, he would be you would be a tiny God and we don't mm-hmm. serve a tiny God. And so you have answers like that, which are profound, but then you have the ones that are answerable. And the best part is they can look and see that the answer is precisely where they're already at in God's word. Oh, that awesome. for me was one of the most exciting features. Of course, there's other ones that we could talk about that just are yeah. fun. Like, you know, bringing back, remembering God's word. So trying to take key passages and put it in a really cool graphic that allows students to go like, Oh, I, I I can memorize. That's just a sentence. I can memorize that. It just makes the things we want for them to become actually easily accessible. Where unfortunately when these tweens are handed their Bibles, they don't feel accessible. And when when they get to high school, they say, I stopped reading it a long time ago. And now reading the Bible is just a guilt trip for my pastor. Right. Um, These are real conversations I've had with these students. So I love this Bible. I love the target audience and I love that they're capturing the attention of things that they care about, asking the tough questions mm-hmm. that they're already asking and asking in the context of God's word. Right. So, so they can dr- look up the direct reference. And well, I mean, how many of us are going to have some of those conversations with our kids naturally? I mean, in our world, in our day to age, we're like worried about getting them to all the things and we're going back and forth. We're not sitting down doing family devotionals. I'm totally guilty of it. So we're not like <laughs> processing through some of this stuff. And this is a way to where well, one, it makes it a little more manageable. It's not quite such a huge, because even for us as adults, like to read the whole Bible, it's a big deal. So I think if we put something that we 
better communicate and like, hey, this is only like done in small chunks and bite-sized pieces, yes. then, you know, it's doable. And to yeah. be able to ask the questions along the way is really, really good because yeah, they're thanking yeah. them. They're asking them. I mean, I know. So was, I homeschooled up until last school year and um, my oldest was the one who they were doing like read through the Bible, the Old Testament last year. And it was so funny because I mean, we'd do scripture memory with homeschool and we'd read, you know, gloss over like Bible history and all the, you know, the highlight, the stories, but he was reading verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And so <laughs> the questions we got, it was awesome. But I was like, yes. it was so funny. I'm like, oh, actually the Bible ruins my child's <laughs> innocence. <laughs> yes. Like, no, I did what? Don't hang out judges, right? <laughs> Crazy. Yes. No, I did what? Yeah, that little verse that we don't unfortunately highlight in the Bible story. <laughs> Absolutely. And, exactly. and God knew, how interesting, that God knew that you and I as moms would not want to probably initiate those types of conversations no. or those words. Uh -uh. Yes. Um, but the fact that God's word would, would bring about a, a moment for moms like mm -hmm. us to have those types of conversations. I handed this Bible to my mom. And here's one of the questions it asked that she turned to. It said, will every good person go to heaven? And oh. it's just one of those questions where like, yeah. that's a really important question. Yes. But I would never think to bring that up uh -uh. with my son. I would never think to bring it up in that language. Totally. And my mom goes, that's an amazing question. I said, it is an amazing yes. question. She goes, because yes. it's a hard question because we don't mm -hmm. like the answer to it. Oh, yeah, and I went, totally. Yeah. But yeah. that's an attribute of our God is like his holiness and how mm. much he loves and every effort he's gone to. And I'm like, I want to go to, I want to have that conversation with my son. I oh, don't yeah. want to ignore these questions. And man, it yeah, matters. And I love that your kids read God's word and got to bring up the hard ones. <laughs> and I think as parents, I think the reason we don't do family devotionals, I've realized this as well, at least with some of my close friends is they feel intimidated by it because they yes. won't know the answers. Right. And, I, and, and I think the thing that is the best gift we can give to our kids is actually the phrase, I don't know, but let's discover mm -hmm. it together. Yes. If that could become a normal phrase for yep. parents, uh, faith would feel a lot less intimidating for their kids. Oh, totally. It would, because that is reality. It's just like seeking out forgiveness and apologizing when we do mess up. It gives our kids yes. the permission and the bravery to do it because it's hard and it's a scary thing. But if we example it, because we certainly need to, unfortunately, um, it just it leads the way to so many things. So if we're honest with like going, I don't know, let's find it together. Or like you said, some of the things that, you know, the commentary says is like, we don't totally know this is part about, you know, serving and loving a God that knows everything and we have only a finite piece of it. So yeah, it's, yeah. I, I love it. It's so good. Um, so, so you, you said you had a two and a half year old. Tell me like, what have you tried with him reading the Bible? Obviously he loves this action Bible. Um, mm -hmm. What are just some fun things that you've done with him? Cause I never knew one kid for more like, I, my daughter was five months when I found out I was pregnant with my second. So you can imagine, wow. like, it was just yeah. some of these things I'm like, oh, it would have been nice to just like have them and do some of those things. I never did them. So what does it look like for you to practice, yeah. you know, reading the Bible together? Yeah. Yeah. I would say for, obviously we have every, I mean, an obnoxious amount of books that are like baby's first Bible, baby's yes. first teen pre-study, but like, I mean, it's just a little <laughs> yeah. bit overwhelming. Yeah, and unfortunately sometimes, and I'll say a lot of the things that are made for his age, he's not that interested because they're not, not a little window to pull over, you right. know, or a little flap to <laughs> right. pick up. And not as it's so funny the things that, 
No. And that's a majority of the stuff that's, again, given to the age two and a half for sure. Um, Except, again, the Action Bible at least has those compelling graphics. And this generation, my son included, is such a visual learner Mm -hmm. that we have to have things that are visually stimulating, of course. Um, but things that I've done, and I'll say, um, we don't sit down and I don't open God's word um, in f- like my quiet time. One thing is when I do have my quiet time, I don't hide it from him. Yeah. Like he knows that that's something that I'm doing. Yeah. Um, one thing I bought was actually a children's, I mean, not children. I bought a journaling Bible oh, and I awesome. read it. I actually am going to give it to him at some point. Oh. Um, I read it with him in mind. And I, the awesome. best part about this and why I continue doing it is I would say about maybe like the third or fourth time I was journaling in the sidelines and I write prayers to him. I write little notes to him. I mean, I went through the That's Romans word of the gospel and highlighted each verse. And at the end said like, this is the essence. Oh. Don't miss this verse. That's and it was beautiful. during that time when I was going through Romans and all the scriptures, which by the way, if you're listening, uh, uh, it's just helpful to know the Romans road of the gospel is really a bunch of verses that allow you to walk through uh, yes. with anyone what the essence of it, essence of our faith is and what it means to be a Christian. So Romans chapter one, 19 to 21 um, allows us to see that there's a creation, mm-hmm. uh, creation screams creator. Uh, but verse 25 of chapter one says, but we worship and serve created things rather than the creator. In fact, it wasn't just them. It's all of us. Chapter three, verse 23 all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory mm. of God. We can't get there on our own. Chapter five, verse eight, but God, God butted into the story, but God demonstrates his love for us in this while we're still sinners. Christ died. Why did he have to die? Good question. Chapter six, verse 23, uh, the wages of our sin is death. What we earn is death. Someone had to pay for it. Um, and that's why Jesus died. Mm. He took that, which we deserved. And through his resurrection, he, by our faith, gives us what he deserved a perfect relationship with the father chapter eight therefore chapter eight verse one there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus chapter 10 what do we do about it verse 9 to 11 that if we confess with our mouth jesus is lord not just savior lord of our life and believe in our hearts that god raised him from the dead we will be saved how do we live chapter 12 on is therefore live your life as a living sacrifice uh by the way i wish i would have known that especially Mm -hmm. i memorized that probably my mid-20s if right. you don't know Romans Road, it's a worthwhile thing to memorize. It took yes. me about one minute to go through, but it talks about God, talks about sin, Jesus, and then how to live in response. Uh, it also lets me know where my kids are. Uh, yes. lets me know where students are. Whenever I go That's into so conversations good. with people, I figure out what are they struggling with? Do they not even believe in God? Let's start there. Are yeah. they tackling and struggling with sin? Do they know what Jesus and the cross has to do with their present life? Or are they merely apathetic and not living in response? Mm. When I was highlighting that for my son in that journaling Bible, I got to this place where I was like, you have to get this. You have to. And I'm like, you know, in bold text writing it. And I realized nothing else. Get this. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. But as I was doing it, I had this aha moment that I realized I'm God's child. And for me, he wants me to feel the same way about scripture. Yes. And so for me as a mother journaling in that Bible, each time I think about him, I always have a time of reflection at the end that goes, and if I'm God's kid, will I read my notes to him as if Mm. God himself would want me to get it to this extent? Mm. That for me as a mom has been one of the most profound experiences. So moms and dads out there, yeah. jump on by one journaling Bible, figure out what age you want to give it to him. Um, or maybe whenever he's ready and it becomes this moment where he opens it up uh, one day, but that's that one so thing good. I've had the opportunity to do. And it's been awesome. Um, other things I, I would say that are little things is uh, showing God off. Our mm-hmm. God made that. Wow. Yeah. What do you love? 
Mickey Mouse. Wow. Did you know that God made the man who thought of Mickey Mouse? Like <laughs> pulling awesome. back everything he yes. loves and making sure um, to point out the main point character. And then, of yeah. course, we do. I would say the other practical thing that we do every night is we, we pray together and, and he still prays for Donald Duck and it's okay. Um, <laughs> I love it. He's just that age. Yes. But um, we and pray. And you live near Disneyland. In our prayers. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, we live real close. Uh, we highlight attributes of God. That's a fun one. Mm. And then I, um, he doesn't know the word attributes. So he's talking, what's no. God like? You yes, know? totally. And then we, I say a blessing over him. And again, mm. probably the, someone told me and so i feel very honored to be able to uh share with you and anyone that's listening um blessing your child simply putting your hand on their shoulder looking them in the eyes starting Mm -hmm. with their name so my son's name is foster so i look him in the eyes and i go foster and he knows when it's blessing time like he looks right back at me Mm -hmm. and i say may you know and then i usually pause and ask the spirit like what does he need to know and at this age it's so simple so it's may you know God really likes you, mm. not just like he loves you. Mm. He loves you. And, and it's so cool. I, I started doing it with my nephews and they're now in the, you know, nine, 10, 11 age range. Mm. And I love it. They're used to it. When I put my hand on their shoulder and I say their name, and it's a serious moment. They receive it, That's but I just beautiful. tell them what I, what I want them to know. And they, just their name. And then may you know, and then you fill in the blank with what's one thing you really oh. want. And then usually I'll okay. say a prayer afterwards, just that the spirit would make it come true about them. And they would be- not just know it, but believe it. So mm. those are little things I do with my little guy I and love it. by myself. Oh, it's so good. And I, um, occasionally I will have a guest and I'm like, I wish we recorded video. You are one of them. And I know we specifically talked about <laughs> not recording video, but I just love your animation and your passion behind it. It's beautiful. I mean, it's just like, it's oozing out of you and it's, it's so cool. And I'm sure that those listening will hear it and pick up on it because the power of blessing is huge. And I was just reading about the, this concept about, um, uh, just like the eight touches that are really important for kids in a day. And part of that, like if, if we hit certain times of day in particular with that eye to eye contact contact especially like before bedtime is huge and I love that would be such a simple practice to implement if you aren't already that eye to eye you know blessing them and using their name the power of name and calling them like up to just this greater thing of how the Lord sees them is just amazing and I love that you did that with your nephews like what what made you think to do that were you really close to them yeah Yeah. So the person that taught me about blessing taught it to me before I had a son. So that was probably the reason behind the nephew uh, was very simply, she taught it to me and said, this is something you have to do with your kids. She's like, I do it with my kids and they're in their twenties. Yeah. And so, and and to this day, like she, you know, when they come to visit her, she lives in Colorado. Uh, (laughs) When they come to visit, she sends them off with a blessing. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is so implemented everything I do. I run conferences. I speak at conferences. I do all sorts of things. And every time I end with a blessing, having the audience stand and extend their hands. And mm-hmm. then I ask the Lord, like, what would you want this unique audience at this time, at this place to hear? And I mean, the mm-hmm. I just this past weekend, I was at a church speaking. And I said, you know, uh, Fellowship Monrovia Church, may you know. And then I waited and I said, that God sees you. That was like what he wanted. It was kind of highlighting that God sees you. And I mean, right mm-hmm. after multiple people with tears going, I felt like God, God always wants to send everyone on mission, but I didn't know if he saw us, us individually. 
And they were like, and you answered that. And it was just like this radical thing of going, yeah, guess what? God does speak. He speaks through his word. And, we, he, and I, you know, depending on the denomination, how you believe that he speaks, yes, but let's all yes, agree. He yes, speaks he through speaks. his word and Absolutely. he speaks through his people. Yeah. And sometimes we just don't allow him to take control of our brain mm-hmm. because he could speak through us yeah. if we let him. Right. Otherwise, left to our flesh, we use our words to harm, you know, mm-hmm. or to critique. And so to, like things like blessing, that's what I love is it slows me down enough to go, what does my little boy need to know? And lately it's been the exact same phrase. Foster, may you know, it's out of, um, it's his, his life verse. May you know that God did not give you a spirit of fear. Yes, and amen. Or timidity, mm-hmm. but of love, power, and, and self-discipline. Mind. And think about yeah. a little boy. That I mean, self-discipline is such a key word. For <laughs> yes, boys. it is. So <laughs> it is like so beautiful. And, and I've turned that one into a song. So now he sings it with me and has no idea what self-dis- uh, self-discipline means. But <laughs> one day he will. He will. And he will remember that, that yes. there's nothing I want more than him not to live in fear. You know, and oh. I'm hearing, I'm hearing that young people today, the number one Uh, It's actually a tie, but they kind of use them interchangeably. The number one struggle is fear and anxiety. That is constant Mm. in young people today. I'm fearful. I'm anxious. A lot of them wouldn't admit it, but when I stand on a stage and I say words like, uh, are you experiencing fear or experiencing Mm -hmm. anxiety? You just watch everyone kind of sink back and feel like, ooh, I feel exposed. Yeah, because so much in our world is playing to those and only building them up. It's only in Christ. It's only through powerful life-giving, you know, church that we are finding the antidote to fear and anxiety and, you know, in truth, if we're looking to that, but everything else is going to just build upon it for sure. I love it. I love your passion. I love how you are doing motherhood and in the midst of all of this stuff. Um, one of, Mm -hmm. one more thing I wanted to know, because we used to vacation in Hume Lake. Um, so yes, yes. So tell me a little bit. I just want to know what you're doing there and what that looks like. Good. Yep. For the first six years, I ran the recreation for the high school camp. So that oh, was fun. Hume Lake is a Christian camp in the Sequoia National Forest, which yes. is 90 miles east of Fresno, California. It's gorgeous. Uh, for those who don't know what Hume Lake is, it is. And they're and actually Sequoias. Now I mean, let's England. just. Yes. Yeah. Just say Sequoias. <laughs> My oh, husband's Sequoia. an arborist. So that's his dream is oh, to go out there. He's yeah. never gotten to go out to that part of California. Anyway. They're, they're always hiring some fun little positions. That's yeah. a shout out. But uh, <laughs> they go. have, yeah, they have a campus on New England. They do camp in Hawaii. Life is rough. They do camp in San Diego <laughs> so and then a lot of Hume International. But the uh, it, Hume, like, so I ran the high school, uh, all the activities for six years. And that's about, okay. I mean, it's crazy the number of students that come through. I think it's 10,000 in high school, 5,000 in, in middle school, 2,000 in discipleship. Like, nutty numbers of students that come up to this camp. It's amazing. Um, And then for the past five years, I've actually run the women's ministries. So I get to put on all the women's retreats, the girls retreats, the mother daughter retreats. It's wonderful. And I remember when I took it over, I was still rather young. And I remember having the, like every probably mid to late 20 something that goes, oh, women's ministry. That's all about doilies. I made those jokes and and they said, well, what would it look like for you to do women's? I said, it would look different. And they said, let's just try it. And I was kind of shocked by that. And then I remember like about a month after I said, yes, they said, oh, and the two women that have held the position before you each did it for 20 plus years. So oh. trying, <laughs> trying may not be, uh, you may want to, you know, go for it. I'm like, oh my goodness, no pressure. Uh, yeah. But I love it. And that, I think one of my favorite parts about it is, and I, what I think that we've learned over the span of it is how do you make women's not just for 40 plus or even mid thirties plus, but how do yeah. you capture that 18 year old who feels really lost right. and invite her into Christian adulthood? So 
we've done that. And so for the past few years, I've run those retreats and it's been awesome. And the intergenerational ministry that happens, obviously uh, there's something really beautiful about sitting in chapel. Yes. But then the next hour playing wiffle ball against people and (laughs) laughing and falling and trying and failing and Mm. succeeding and experiencing all of life. I think people always forget how intentional we are with like even the activities, the Jeep tours, the everything. Uh, because that's life and and chapel needs to be in the midst of that not Mm -hmm. not secluded from that so right and then we go to chapel in small groups and talk about it it's awesome that is awesome I I might need to um, communicate via email later because I run help run the women's ministry at our church which looks like small groups and um, I've got a a great team of um, two younger in particular women who are still single and in those you know 20s um, in those years. And so we're just, we were talking about the very thing. How can we keep this really alive and fresh for their generation, for those coming through, whether they're married or not, you know, the 18 through 80, like that's our yeah. goal is like, how do we get yeah. all of them? And then how do we get them to cross connect, like to make those connections where they're doing life together and helping each other do life in doing it together. So anyway, I love it. I love your passion for all of that. It just is, it's awesome. It's exciting. I feel like, Oh yeah. I hope everyone Let's do this. feels it. Yes. <laughs> so, thank you so awesome. much, Megan. You're Sincerely. Great, you are hey, too. Way to, be, way to be relational. Truly. Thank I you. do. I've done so many of these for different books and you are very different and that's a compliment. Oh, that, that means that's, the world. I got to be careful not to, I don't want to compare. That's not actually, I want to always try not to compare with compliments. But yes. keep doing what you're doing. It's really helpful. Thank you, Megan. That means the world to me. You too. I love it. And I really awesome. hope we get to meet in person someday. Indeed. See you. Right. Awesome. Bye-bye. See ya. Wasn't she fantastic? I'm still smiling when I think about our conversation and her passion for the Word of God. Her warmth is contagious, and she is someone you'll want to follow on the socials to brighten your feed. And my kids really do like their new NIV Action Bible. They're excited to read and share the stories they're learning. This could be the perfect gift coming up for the holiday season, or just a perfect I love you gift to encourage a little more Bible reading during the weekdays. You can find it in all the typical book selling places. Now this week's meaningful minutes are about building a love for God's word. I figured it fit pretty perfectly with this episode. Anyway, we'll be focusing on building our spirit by sharing or asking your loved ones their favorite story in the Bible. Now, there's probably a deeper reason you have an affinity towards that story. Why is it and how has it impacted your faith? For example, just the other day, my good friend Bethany was sharing with a few of us that her favorite book of the Bible is Jonah. And it wasn't just because of the big fish. It was because the sailors on the boat came to believe in God through Jonah's disobedience. Wow, think about that for a second. Anyway, it's her reminder that the Lord can and will redeem anything. And I think for most of us, that is good news. Now today, I'm going to combine both the mind and body suggestion because I didn't figure you'd want to go act out your favorite Bible story. So... My suggestion is that you take a scripture from your favorite Bible story, then write it down and post it somewhere you will see it often. You can memorize it or just leave it there and I believe over time it will be written on your heart. And what a great resource to have when you're sharing with someone about your favorite Bible story. I'd love to know if you try any of these and what you thought of the process. 
just tag us on Instagram or Facebook or send us a note. We always love hearing from you. Now it's time to answer one of your Enneagram coaching questions. I've been sharing with you all about my coaching training journey throughout this last spring, and now I get to share what I've learned by answering some of your questions. If you want to join the conversation, of course, we want to hear from you, and we'd love to know what you want to know about the Enneagram. You can submit your questions through our link in the show notes or reach out to Simply Wholehearted or Amy Wicks on the socials. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook where you can share our conversations, our meaningful minutes, and helpful resources to all your friends and family. We love it when you share. Today's question is, are there patterns regarding friendships which are connected to the Enneagram? Such as, are certain numbers going to gravitate towards another number? Or are there friendships which might require more work because of a number combination, etc.? Now this is going to be a two-part answer because it's such a great question. And first, keep these questions coming. I hope you're enjoying this segment as much as I am. A great resource tip is a new book recently written by Suzanne Stabile. It's called The Road Between Us, and it gives a fantastic overview for each type's possible relationship challenges and benefits. My short answer would be, no matter what number you are or what number someone else is, you can be friends. The journey of the Enneagram is going to give you powerful insight into your level of emotional health for your number. And I think it's more about the level of your friend's health and your health, of course, as opposed to the number type someone is or isn't. As you share with your friends about the Enneagram, I think you'll find that you typically connect well or feel a certain affinity towards a couple of types, but I highly recommend not picking your friends based on their number. As you and your friends move towards the optimal level of health in your emotional life, you will find a way to connect well, regardless of the differences your numbers present. This is why the Enneagram can be an amazing resource. You can better understand your friend's perspective their needs, and the message their heart longs to hear. Next week, I'll give some detailed examples of how certain numbers might connect well with other numbers and the value of having close relationships, which reflect all nine personalities on the Enneagram. I'll also be back with more meaningful minutes. In the meantime, join us on all the socials as we continue on our journey to living simply wholehearted.